As you know, we have been talking together about um, some of the things that folks think are in the Bible, but really aren't. Uh, we've been surprised a couple of times that the Bible doesn't say what we thought it said. And this morning, I want us to continue to think along those terms as we remember the, um, the advice that we hear from time to time as folks tell us that we are to forgive and forget. We're told that we're to forgive and forget. But what I want to show you this morning is that's not what the Bible says. So let's look and see what the Bible does say. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, I want us to look in Colossians chapter 3 at verse 13. Colossians is one of those smaller letters toward the, toward the middle or the end of the New Testament. Ephesians Philippians, then Colossians. So if you find Colossians chapter 3 and 13, that's where I want us to begin. As we're going to discover what the Bible does actually say about forgiveness. Because it doesn't tell us that we're to forgive and forget. In Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading at verse 12 just to, just to kind of get us into it. And then we're going to really camp out at verse 13, okay? And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, then, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And so as we read in that text, the, the first thing that becomes so obvious to us as we read through that verse is that forgiveness is not an option. It's pretty clear, isn't it? He says, bear with one another, forgive one another as God has forgiven you. It, there, there's, there's kind of a little spiritual arrogance when we refuse to forgive. Now, perhaps you haven't ever thought of it in those terms, but think about it for just a minute. When we refuse to forgive because someone has done something so wrong to me that I have a right to hold it against them. I have a right to never let them off the hook. I have a right to make sure everybody in town knows what a terrible thing they've done. That is my right. But listen to the spiritual arrogance when we remember what it says in Colossians 3.13 that we are to forgive one another. Why? Because God has forgiven us. Now, if God can forgive me knowing that he had every right to expect me to obey him, knowing that I chose to disobey a holy God who created and loved me from the very beginning, I still chose to disobey him. He chose to forgive me. Now, who am I to say that I am greater than God and therefore I get to decide whether you're worthy of my forgiveness? Do you see the spiritual arrogance? It's not really about your right. 
It's about what is right. And if we've been forgiven from a holy God, surely we can honor that by learning to forgive others. Forgiveness is really not an option, is it? In Matthew chapter 6, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. When I hold on to that grudge, I close myself off from myself, from others, and mostly from God. But you see, when I let go of that grudge, my hands are open to receive from my Heavenly Father the blessings that He has for me. See, when I refuse to forgive, I'm not really hurting the person who did me wrong nearly as much as I'm hurting myself because I'm the one who has to carry that thing I'm holding on to instead of being open to being blessed by the Heavenly Father. Again, in Mark 11 and 25, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. When he talks about standing to pray, it's obviously a, a, a picture of coming to worship, isn't it? He says, when you stand to pray, forgive. And I wish he would say, forgive the people who did little things. Forgive the people that you kind of like anyway. Forgive the people who are a lot like you. But what did he say? Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Because as long as you're holding on to that grudge, you're not open. Your prayer will not be all that it was intended to be. You can't receive from God nor give to God all that is expected and intended when you're holding on to that grudge. So he says, when you stand to pray, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. So forgiveness is not an option. I want to make sure we start there this morning because I don't want you to say, preacher said forgive and forget it, and in the Bible that means I don't have to forgive. That's not at all the case. Forgiveness is not an option. But after we understand that, we're ready then to talk about what forgiveness is not. And it's important for us to talk a little bit about what forgiveness is not because forgiveness is so quickly and often misunderstood. Biblical forgiveness is not pretending that something didn't happen. Forgiveness is not just pretending that something didn't happen. It, it, it's not a head-in-the-sand posture that ignores the obvious. Forgiveness is not a, a never-ending series of second chances. Forgiveness is not a, a fresh start with all the consequences and old baggage removed automatically. That's not forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is not an immediate and full restoration of a broken relationship. When you hurt me, you teach me that I can't trust you as much as I thought I could. Right? When you hurt me, you have taught me that I can't trust you as much as I thought I could. Now, I can forgive you, but that does not automatically restore that level of trust because you taught me that I had given you too much trust to begin with. Does that make sense? See, that was very hard for me to understand the difference between forgiveness, well, not the difference, but the relationship between forgiveness and trust. For a long time, I thought, that forgiveness was saying, we're going to pretend nothing ever happened and now our relationship is back to exactly the way it was and I trust you with the same trust that I gave you before you hurt me. That's just not realistic, nor is it healthy. And the way I finally understood the relationship between forgiveness and trust, believe it or not, is something that took place in not far from Lancaster, you remember 2006? On October 2006, in a one-room school in Nickel Mines, deep in Pennsylvania Amish country, a man burst in and shot ten girls. Five of them died, five survived. Within hours, Members of the victims' families were publicly expressing their forgiveness of the shooter. Two things. One, I couldn't do that hours after. Two, it forced me to think about the difference or the relationship between forgiveness and trust. Because as I'd wrestled with that for weeks after that experience, after we saw that on the news, I wrestled with how could people forgive? And what I finally figured out was they choose to forgive. That does not mean that they have restored trust. This man was a local man. He, he, he delivered milk to the different homes. When he entered the school, some of the kids recognized, that's our milkman. So the people there knew him. Matter of fact, some of those Amish families went to his funeral. Some of those Amish families went to his home to comfort their, his family after he had killed himself, after killing those girls. As I thought, Put all of that together, I realized they forgave him. But that doesn't mean that they would trust him to be a sponsor on a school trip somewhere. That doesn't mean they would trust him to come and babysit their kids in their homes. Forgiveness is different from trust. When you hurt me, you taught me something. You taught me 
that I had put too much trust in you. Now I can forgive you and we can be right in our relationship. But you're going to have to earn that trust back. Trust is never freely and automatically given. Trust is earned over time. That's the difference. I give you, I choose to give you my forgiveness. Because I choose to give you my forgiveness, we are now in a place where you can begin the process of re-earning my trust. All right? Until I forgive, though, we can't begin that process. I remember as a child hearing the preacher say, you are to forgive and forget. If you haven't forgotten it, you haven't forgiven it. And man, that sounded good. If you haven't forgotten it, you haven't forgiven it. The only problem was when people hurt me, I, I can't forget. So that means I, I went for years saying, well, I remember what they did. So since I remember what they did, does that mean I haven't forgiven them? If I haven't forgiven them, then I don't know how to forgive. So I just, I just can't forgive people. The problem is, that's not true. Forgive and forget is not biblical because we can't just forget. It's, there's got to be more to it than just that. Forgetting what happened, wiping the slate clean of every, member, every memory of the transgression can't work. So because of that, we need to talk about what forgiveness is. We need to know what forgiveness is not. We've covered that pretty well. We need to know what forgiveness is. And forgiveness is simply a choice to let go of anger or resentment. I choose, and yes, you choose. Some of you are waiting until that day that you're able to forgive, which means you're waiting to kind of wake up someday and say, oh, I didn't think about it lately. I guess I forgave them. Friends, that's not forgiveness. That's just bad memory. It doesn't work. You're still carrying baggage that you're not intended to carry. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a decision. Do they deserve it? Most likely they don't. Remember, you're not the judge. The one judge who judges righteously, he knows what they deserve and he'll take care of them. Forgiveness is not giving someone they deserve. It's making a choice. It's a decision. I choose that I am no longer going to hold that resentment and that anger toward you. It doesn't mean that I pretend you didn't do anything. It just means that while I know you did something, I choose not to hold that against you. I'm not going to hold resentment. I don't assume I deserved it either. That's, that's not forgiveness, assuming it was my fault. No. It was your fault. You did it. I remember it. But I choose not to be angry about it anymore. I choose not to resent you for it. I choose to begin a process of restoring trust. 
I rarely depend on Wikipedia for my theology. Yeah. <laughs> However, I did do a quick, fun little Google search on what is forgiveness. And I did like this article from Wikipedia on forgiveness. Forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process. Intentional, you choose it. Voluntary, you don't have to. You choose to, you decide to. It is the forgiveness, forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense. Let's go of negative emotions such as vengefulness, forswears recompense, I'm not sure what that means, from or punishment of the offender, however legally or morally justified it may be and with an increased ability to wish the offender well. Forgiveness is different from condoning, excusing, forgetting, pardoning, and reconciliation. In other words, I choose to change the way I'm feeling and my attitude. And then we need to take just another moment to think about how God forgives. Why? Well, because our text, Colossians 3 and, and 13, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has complained against you, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So we, we need to understand how God forgives. And as we understand how God forgives, that enables us to forgive like he does. How does God forgive? Well, we start at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I was so glad that Paul brought that to our attention this morning. What a great verse to start memorizing. What a great verse to start with in our relationship, in our growing relationship with God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. You see, you see the, the, the difference there? I was not faithful, so I sinned. But he is always faithful and just. So if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then look what he does when that happens in Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west... Well, that's kind of north and south, isn't it? As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west? You can, go, you can keep going east all day long and never get to the west. That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. He has separated us from those sins. So does that mean there are no consequences of our sin? I don't know, ask David. You remember when Nathan talked to David? He said, you are that man. David realized his sin. Nathan said, you are forgiven, but there will still be serious consequences. Now, if there are serious consequences, 
That means God doesn't forgive and forget. How could he forget? God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. Now, if he forgot David's sin, but then I come over here in the Bible and I read about David's sin and I learn about it, now all of a sudden I know something God doesn't know. Which can't happen. So because he's omniscient, he doesn't forget our sin. The reason we've heard that, I think, is, is primarily because of what we find in Jeremiah 31, 34. And somehow, there is no slide for Jeremiah 31, 34. Let me read it to you. Jeremiah 31, 34. They shall not teach again. He's talking about a new covenant that he's going to bring with man. They shall not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, knowing, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. And then he says this, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin and will remember no more. So when it says he will remember no more, we have always understood that to mean that he forgets. But he can't forget and be omniscient. The problem is a misunderstanding of the Hebrew word that is translated to remember no more. If you look throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, you'll never see it written that God forgets. You'll see instead that he remembers no more. That happens often. After the flood, you know, rains 40 days, 40 nights, the whole thing. Well, then the, the waters stay there for 150 days. And then it says God remembered Noah. Did God forget? Did he forget that he flooded the earth and then he got busy watching TV? Or uh, Did he forget? No. What does it mean then that he remembered Noah? In another text it says that he remembered Rachel. Had he forgotten one of his own? It says he remembered Abraham. It says he remembered the, the, the Israelites in Egypt. Had he forgotten them? No. What does it mean then to say that he remembered? Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Those of you who have seen my office might be surprised by the fact that every once in a while I clean my desk. Doesn't happen often. But it happens from time to time. And as I clean my desk, what I do is I pick up one piece of paper. I look at it. And I do whatever has to be done so that I can get rid of that piece of paper. I either make the phone call or I write the note or whatever it is so that I can get rid of that piece of paper. And then I either throw it away or I file it. Okay? The word remember in Hebrew is to focus your attention on something and do what is supposed to be done. Now, we don't get all of that in English. 
But the idea is I've got my attention on all these things. So everything on my desk has a purpose for being there, believe it or not. And I know what everything on that desk is supposed to do. Now, when it's time, I focus my attention on each item. I remember that item and I take care of it. What this is saying when it says that God remembers no more, it means he's not going to pick up that sin and focus on it and do anything more about it. It doesn't mean that he forgets it like it never happened. That would question his omniscience. It also questions the whole point of forgiveness. What it means is he chooses that he is no longer going to pick up the note that John did such and such. He's no longer going to focus on that and do something about it. He's already handled it. It's been forgiven. It is as far as the east is from the west. He's not going to remember it anymore. All right? What that does then is it frees us. You and I struggle with, I can't forget it. Beloved, you can't forget events that happen. God does not forget in that sense of the term either. What we can do is be very aware of the event. We know what someone has done, and yet we choose to stop picking it up and focusing on it. We choose to release the anger and the resentment. We choose to forgive. Don't hold yourself to an impossible expectation of forgive and forget. We forgive by deciding we won't hold on to that anger and then let it go and move on.